It's Great Mondays Radio. I'm Josh Levine, your host, founder of Great Mondays. We help executives from hypergrowth technology and social enterprise organizations build cultures that attract, engage, and retain top talent. If you'd like to be a guest on our program, hang out for about 20 minutes and I'll tell you how. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Great Mondays Radio. Today with me, I have Paula Allen, who is the SVP and global leader of research at TELUS Health. Um, because she's head of research, she has access to all these really interesting trends um, and emerging challenges that are happening in the workplace. And so that's why I asked Paula to come on. Um, there's a lot of great stuff going on and a lot of challenging stuff, and we want to make sure that we uh, understand what's going on in the world um, so that we can better prepare for that. Uh, Paula Allen, thanks for coming on Great Mondays Radio. Uh, my pleasure. So, Paula, um, how did you – let's start with um, your kind of uh, path here. So you are now deep into understanding, writing about – uh, employee um, well-being, I guess, is the way to to put it. How did you get here? Why why is that where you decided to spend your precious time? Oh, so what's my story? Okay, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit. Um, I actually started out doing clinical work, working with uh, children, and had a wonderful experience with that. I mean, uh, we dealt with children with a number of different challenges but worked very well to make sure that they had the environment, make sure that they had the resources to be the best that they could be and was very, very happy at doing that. Uh, and then as life happens, there was an opportunity for me to start working with adults. And I uh, gotta tell you, I was pretty horrified. Uh, the same approach, and, and this was adults in workplaces. So these are people who were connected to a workplace as employees. They went on, for, on disability leave because of one reason or another. And at that time, you know, their whole lives were turned upside down, not just because of the illness, but they were treated very differently. They ended up kind of experiencing their workplace connection in a pretty negative way. And I knew from my background that that was not going to help their recovery. <laughs> that yeah. was not going to help them return to work and productivity. So fast forward to today, uh, I had the opportunity at that point to do some work in product development and, and service development to change things around. And I've spent my entire career kind of going upstream. So what got us to a place where we could be treating other, other human beings like, like such and not even realize it was not, not creating any value? Mm. And what needed to happen? So prevention, workplace culture, uh, research right now to help us understand what works, what doesn't work, and to hopefully set organizations on a better path. So it's uh, been a long journey, but a lot of fun. When you say how we got here, what are some examples of what you saw that uh, you were uh, taken aback by? Um, some some more specific examples of, like you said, how they were treated or what the environment is. Let's get Let's get more specific. Okay. I think one of the things that comes to mind was um, at that point, and, and again, this is this is the case still in some situations. That's why I'm asking, and, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. When when someone went off on leave, 
they and, and typically it was if there was any suspicion, you know, because people don't necessarily know, but if there was any suspicion, it was a lead because of a mental health issue, uh, they would be kind of cut off. You know, you'd, 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 you'd have this behavior where somebody who had been working with an organization for 15, 20 years, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more, and they had a community because, you know, your workplace is a community. And all of a sudden, when they get ill, no contact, no updates, no nothing. Mm -hmm. So think about that. Think about it. And I've, I've, I, I sat in front of people at that time, and it brought brought them to tears, brought me to tears, because people were saying, you know, I, I, I worked, I had friends, I thought I was valued, and now if I'm sick, nobody cares about me, nobody wants me back, uh, nobody is even thinking about whether I'm alive or dead. Mm. So as human beings, we need to feel a sense of belonging, connection, and inclusion. And if you go back to, you know, what I was telling you about before, which is my experience with children, Think about that if you did that to a child. You know, you're having some difficulty right now. Okay, so just go in that room and, and figure out how to heal yourself. I'm not going to bother you. You know, that's abuse. Yeah. You know, we need to make sure that everyone feels a sense of connection. I can imagine that, that it's particularly hard now in kind of our modern era where our work is often our primary social community. Yes. There is a lot of trend lines pointing towards a collapse of um, religious interest in religious communities or social communities or neighborhood mm -hmm. groups that maybe previously would have sustained us, right? Mm -hmm. Going to, to church and have a different community, but that's not really where we are anymore. And so that really feels um, feels tough. So so it's that it's that cut, being cut off uh, uh, from your community that was a big piece of what you saw going in. Is that correct? Without question, absolutely without question. And you, you may or may not be aware, but the World Health Organization just came out with a report that you know this this loneliness that we're feeling across mm. the globe epidemic of loneliness. Exactly. And, and, you know, this is this is not insignificant. And it's not even just about mental health, it impacts your physical health, cardiovascular system, your immune system, because there's so much strain that's put on us as human beings, when we're not in a place that we should be. We, uh, your life expectancy is less. It's not just for people. We, we, as a society, we often talk about loneliness and isolation, and we think about people who are getting a little bit older, and they might have lost a spouse, lost their work connections, etc., and uh, not really have the, the the kind of circle. And and that is the case to a certain extent, but that's not your highest risk group. You know, I think people are realizing that they have to go out and make those connections, you know, after retirement, et cetera. The high risk group is your younger adults, your teenagers. You know, we've we've developed a society right now where objectively we might not even feel like we need each other. You can do a whole bunch of things. Nobody's coming over to your place to help build their barn. You don't need that. Yes, right? That's or, right. Or not everybody does. But, you know, we are still human and we still need other people. We're, 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 we're kind of wired to have a sense of 
fear and anxiety when we're by ourselves. Like, think about it. Like a, a yeah. few hundred years ago, if you were by yourself, you would not survive. You wouldn't survive. It's, it's a, it is a, uh, a, a, a survival mechanism, right? It's built yeah. into our DNA. Absolutely. So, so more specifically, if I'm um, a leader or a manager and someone in my group has to take some time off and, and maybe you can educate me us around, you know, how much time and how does that, right? Obviously if, if it's, you know, something they have to be out for, for weeks, it's going to, there's going to be one situation versus, Hey, I just need a quote unquote mental health day. What is, what can, can I'll just start with from that. Can someone a manager of a group of 12 or, you know, a couple hundred do something to um, help this person feel less cut off? Oh, without question. Uh, you know, absolutely. And I, I think I think what sometimes we do as human beings is we talk ourselves out of what's normal, what's natural, what we what we know to be good. Um, I've sp spoken to some managers and they say, well, I don't want to say something wrong and I don't want to feel like I'm bothering them or forcing them back to work. And, you know, you know, that's not the intent. You know, your, your intent always is just making somebody else feel valued, you know, making them feel that they are a part of something. So just reaching out, you know, every a couple of days, a week, you know, it, just just to make sure that if when they cross your mind, and they should cross your mind every once in a while, that you just send them a note, have a little call, you know, maybe even set up some time. It's so powerful, you know, and, and think about one th technique that's that's interesting as well is workplaces are changing a lot and they're changing pretty quickly. And if you're thinking about somebody who is off and they don't know what's going on, you know, it's very, it's, there's a lot of trepidation and returning. Like you're, you're returning to like a whole new environment or potentially so. Lots of stress. A lot of stress. Yeah. So just, just the idea of in a kind and, and and collaborative way, you know, let me give you some updates in terms of what's going on right now, you know, mm. just just so you keep connected to the team. You know, uh, John and his partners had a had a child. Uh, we're moving to a new location and it looks great. Uh, we have a new change in policy, but you know, I'm not gonna go bother you with that, but you know, we'll talk about that a little bit more, you know, whenever you're you're ready to, but just investing in that other person. Mm. So if people continue to feel part of something. They don't feel like they have been dropped. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's two things I'll just repeat back. Just I, I think what's I think is interesting. Two different th types of communication or content of communication. One is, hey, how are you doing? I want just checking in. I'm thinking about you. That's mm -hmm. that's one piece, right? And you're saying. Well, it, it's it that is whatever you say almost doesn't even matter. It's just reaching out. And that's that's important. Right. And that's that's something that anybody on the team could do. You might even want to rally some people around that and just say, hey, send this person a text. Hey, I was thinking about you, whatever it might be. The second is because there are when there's a lack of communication. And I know this having come from brand. Right. It's like there's rarely an organization that communicates too much. Right. It's like the problem is always they don't communicate enough. And so yeah. this is that microcosm. So, hey, I just want to let you know what's going on. And therefore that there's no 
that that vacuum or void or doubt that that person has, right? Where you're like, oh my God, they're not even thinking about me. Am I gonna be fired? Like what's going on, right? That doesn't help that person. And so I'm gonna tell and keep you on the updates just as you know, you are still part of the team. And that that in and of itself, like the specific, to your point, the specific policy doesn't matter. <laughs> it's that I'm telling you what's going on and so that you know that I I want you to be part of this. And that yeah. that does all immediately saying that out loud already feels like it is a little thing that you can do to really keep those folks even just to keep them to to help them do better in their time off and their recovery. And it will help them in their recovery. And, you know, the main messages that you have in your mind is that I value this person, I value this relationship. Mm. So I want to keep that connection going. And, you know, something that you said as well, you are still part of this team. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's move forward then to all of this tumult and redefinition of what's happening in the workplace. We're going to, what I want to do is use your expertise and inquire. We all have, and I've talked many times on many episodes about all the crazy shit that's happening out there, right? Hybrid and war, and what are we doing? And I think you should come back and, and we need to make this thing. Right. People are sort of struggling with all that stuff, but more specifically, what are you seeing those trends, those ups and downs? What are some of the, the biggest impacts to employee wellness and therefore productivity in this time of turmoil because turmoil is not change is not a, a really good uh backdrop for productivity right because you have to deal with yeah. the change itself not that you can avoid it but what are you seeing uh well you know where we are right now you know we had a little we had a couple of steps to get here so one of the things that was really helpful in understanding that is uh, tell us we do a mental health index, so we publish it monthly. And we, um, we started to do the development on it and collect benchmarks in 2017. And this is, this is just you know, a representative group of, of people in the workplace, so all, all employees, and got a baseline in terms of how people were doing in terms of their mental health and well-being and the impact mm -hmm. on pro uh, productivity. Well, what we saw is a massive decline in uh, 2020, and you know what happened in 2020. Yeah, right? that's like, not. I don't need the day. I don't need to hear the report to know that. You, but yeah. you don't need to. You don't need <laughs> the words. We just need. We we just know what happened. Yeah. So the massive decline, which actually was a little bit more than what we expected, but we did we did expect a decline with all the upheaval, and we still are pretty far from where we were before. We really, when you think about it, there's a change. There was risk. Uh, there was, you know, polarization. Uh, there was a whole bunch of things that the human mind doesn't like. The increase in isolation in many cases. So we had that as kind of a bit of a collective trauma. And as you know about trauma, when the stimulus leaves, the impact doesn't necessarily leave at the same That's correct. time. correct. That's right. We store that. We store that. So this is where we are right now. And what's quite clear is that we are more sensitive to stress. You know, we're a little bit more cynical. There's a little bit more conflict. It, you know, all, mm. it, everything is has put us a little bit more on edge. So, you know, we see this in an egregious fashion for uh, a few people, but for, for most, it's just enough to make 
everything a little bit more difficult. And quite frankly, even the behavior that you have more difficult for somebody else. And ask anybody who's frontline service in an airplane or a coffee shop what, what the population is like. So we're, we have this sort of backdrop of sensitivity to stress, which mm. is point number one. And then after the 2020 incident, like the, the, all of that, uh, we didn't have a stress holiday. Like we sort of nope. went into high inflation. <laughs> we went into uh, layoffs. We went into you know, uh, battles between employees and employees about where, where people should work. Mm. So a whole bunch of additional upheavals again, on this backdrop of mm. sensitivity to stress. Mm-hmm. So this this is really what's on the mind of the organizations that we deal with is, is how do we actually take a beat? Like, how do we make sure that we're equipping our leaders so they're not making things worse, that they can help make things better? Yeah. How yeah. do we support our employees in a way that is meaningful and not the the newest shiny tool that people don't care about after after three days so this is really an issue of importance and the other reason why it's an issue of importance so we have the sensitivity of stress we have all the change that we're having right now if you talk to any business leader what they perceive as being um, important things over the next few years Mm -hmm. they're going to say workplace upheaval as a result of ai they're going to see more competitors uh, as a result of you know different niches coming up but but also uh, different uses of technology Um, faster change and a faster pace of change in the workplace so all of this stuff if you don't prepare, if you don't sort of, you know, have a, a good starting place that kind of is well beyond where we are right now, which is this high sensitivity to stress, how do you think you're going to do? You're not going to do all that well. You're going to spend all your time dealing with employee relations issues as opposed to everybody getting down to business and reaping the rewards, employee and employer, of success. Mm. Okay, so... Um, the first thing that we have to realize is we are all still suffering from the collective trauma. We're carrying it with us. Um, I, I appreciate you calling out this. You know, I do agree that there's a lot of cynicism. Um, I, I teach business students and, and they're pretty cynical about business and work. And I I would think that they were, they were sort of the most hopeful cohort. Um, uh, we didn't ever get, we didn't get a reprieve. So we're still on it. And then we're looking in the face of massive, even more upheaval. So we have to understand that that's what's facing us and our employees. And you are 100% spot on that it it sort of really resonated for me when you said you're going to deal with all these employee problems, not actually doing the work. So when we're, and and I've, (laughs) we have a lot of HR leaders on this podcast and I feel like that's the message that they're sending. And I, now we have the context for that, right? It's like, there's just so much back and forth and, and it feels like it's requisite. It feels like it is a necessity. But what I think you're saying is if we're able to see it and prepare for it, and maybe I'll ask you to give us a few tips and pointers as how to do it. It, it doesn't have to be a, a requirement that you're having all of this um, 
conflict and dealing with the humans that is now kind of the standard day-to-day operations post 2020. That's right. And I think the, the way to do it, number one, the first thing is don't put your head in the sand. Like there are so many people who would just rather say, oh, you know, I just, I don't want to deal with it. It'll just get better on its own. And, you know, I, I, it just doesn't work that way. You can't like, put I, your head in the sand. <laughs> you know, blind optimism just means you're going to be disappointed. This is yeah. one predictor of, 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 of defeat, but it's not that scary when you put your heads around it and you understand what is going on, because that gives you the power to make decisions around how to mitigate. So I, I, I do think it's important that, that sort of or, or, or organizations be intentional around what needs to happen in this employee-employer relationship. And we sort of put it in two big buckets. One is that people need support as human beings. I mean, we need, you know, um, dental care, we need physical health support. You know, we definitely need to have good quality supports when it comes to our mental health as, as well. You know, we need to up the game in terms of what we consider good quality, how we communicate, you know, how we how we how we destigmatize people getting the support that they need as as individuals. So their health base is the best that it possibly can be. Is that um, the, and, is that in the benefits before you go to the second point? Is that in the would you call those like the kind of mm -hmm. the, the, the benefit bucket of, you know, you're saying health and dental and vision and yeah. mental health is that that's that's really what we're talking about hey you need to be able to in order for people to do their work show up they have to be taken care of at a very almost basic level yeah, for sure. And in the benefits, um, but you know, also like things like uh, EAP, so workplace programs. Um, and one of the things is communicating them. Like if you have a, all these great benefits, nobody knows about it. We did we did a, a, a bit of research, and yep. we only found that uh, it was about thirty six percent of employees know about EAP and what it offers. And Can you, you define EAP for me. For our oh, audience. of course. Sorry. There you go. I, I just sort of went into jargon, so I should put the penny in the jar. Um, <laughs> employee assistance program. Employee assistance programs. All right, please continue. Yeah, so, so only a few, only 36% was the number? Yeah. And and it, what it is, it is, it's it's counseling support. You know, it's 24-7 access to uh, confidential counseling, voluntary. You don't have to pay out of pocket. There mm -hmm. isn't any pre-requirements. Pre you know, it really is a, a foundation in terms of health and mental health. And you'll get that service. You'll get qualified counselors. You'll be able to be navigated to uh, other services if you, if you have uh, other needs as, as well. Um, and there's work-like services, the things that help you just with the stresses of life, like financial consultation, legal consultation. It's pretty amazing, actually. And it is completely free to the employees because employers fund it. Yeah. But what employers don't often do is to communicate. They they believe that, you know, because they told about it when um, somebody started working. Onboarding. Yeah, started. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I have um, I I have a few friends that um have, make a full time living just doing benefits communications, and they're geniuses at it. And it it's such an incredible niche because it's connecting the resources that your company's investing to the actual benefits. If you don't have that communication, 
there's no, it doesn't work. So that's, that is, I appreciate that you really called it out. All right. So we, we got that support. We need to communicate it. Did you, was that point one? And then that was point one. Okay. All right. Point one. So that is one big bucket. The other big bucket is your environment. So we, mm. we know just generally, you know, there's, there's, there's your environment impacts your health without question. There's social determinants of health. There's, there's your experiences in life. The workplace experience is a massive part of your life. Like there, this whole thing about work-life separation, it doesn't even exist, right? So how do you separate it? You become one person at work and one person when you're not. No, you're one human being. And the time that you spend with your work colleagues, in your work environment, in your workplace is a part of your life. So what's happened is, and I think it's a good thing, employers are starting to see those two parts because a lot of the, the conversations that we have is how do we make sure that people get the services that they want, but how do we shape a culture and environment that is mentally healthy? Like, how do we make sure that we're not just pouring money here by in, in, in a way that more than we need to because we're creating a problem over here? But does it matter as much anymore? We're not spending uh, as much time in the office. Yeah, but it's, it's not it's not geocentric, right? You still have relationships. You yes. still need that sense of inclusion. Okay. You still uh, need to feel um you you, you 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 can still have you know at one end of the spectrum bullying and harassment you know all of those things matter whether i'm relating to you because you're sitting across the desk from me or i'm relating to you in a video uh, conference that where so we are when right you now. say so when you i apologize so, uh, when you say um environment you don't environment. just mean physical environment psychological environment psychological you know? environment and, and, you know, the psychological safety. And we talked in the very beginning about productivity. And uh, I, would, I would recommend that every single one of your readers do some background research on psychological safety. Just understand what that actually is and understand yeah. the impact on your business. Yeah. Because it's, it's not just, well, I have a wonderful policy around uh, anti-bullying and, and harassment. You know, that's not it. It's when people feel that they can speak you know, that they can contribute to the workplace in a way that, you know, if something is happening it's it, and, it, and they see something wrong, that they can, they can say something, that they don't feel that they are in necessarily a, a box. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, 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 that safety, like th think about it in other, uh, other situations. If you had a friend and you weren't able to kind of speak your mind, you were always second guessing your words, that friendship would dissolve pretty quickly because it was creating too much anxiety for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've had experiments where we looked at high performing work teams and the difference between the uber high performer and the one that just had a whole bunch of smart people who did mediocre work was that the uber high performers were the ones where the team felt a sense of inclusion and psychological safety. The correlation between mental health and well-being and productivity, both of those correlations are extremely strong. So um, there is so much out there about how to create psychological safety in our um, environment, 
both our physical and psychological environment. So it would be a huge task to ask you to kind of tell us how to do it. Um, <laughs> do you have a few takeaways, either point us in the mm -hmm. right direction or a few tips that um, I, uh, most, I would say probably most of the folks listening to this are familiar with psychological safety as a, as a concept. Um, so we don't have to be shy about digging too, too far into it. Um, what, how do you in a hybrid environment, um, create, like, what are the, what are the, the, the sort of the, the, the prereqs for creating psychological safety or how do you start to create that for a team? Yeah. So I think when you think about your biggest levers, right, the, the, the things that will make the biggest difference, um, regardless of what you have in terms of your overall vision as an organization, you have to get your managers aligned. You have to make sure that they're aware. You have to make sure that they're trained um, because not everybody you know, will create that kind of healthy environment auto automatically. Even very nice people. It's not just about being it's not, nice. It's, that's right. Thank you for, <laughs> for saying that. It's not just about being nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, we did some research um, we, globally, like we, we had 16,000 individuals and we, we, we found some themes uh, around the, the, the behaviors that managers have, you know, kind of repeated behavior that essentially, you know, become traits that make a difference between teams that were in a good place and teams that weren't. And they all overlap psychological safety, but they were very specific. Um, one was being inclusive and you know that that uh, we were talking about it before when somebody is off on disability leave but you can be inclusive or not inclusive in, when people are at work as well you can always go to certain people you can always uh you can make decisions uh and not in, include other people people need to make sure need to feel that their voice is is valued and that mm. their thoughts value that's that's one thing uh, the other thing uh, that we found is what when people were team focused when managers were team focused as opposed to individual focus that made a big difference as well and the individual focus could show itself in a couple of ways one would be that there were they're really focused on their own success <laughs> and their own glory and not necessarily that of the team mm -hmm. the other is that they are they are encouraging uh, their employees to think about their own success and their own metrics and not facilitate collaboration, almost setting up competition between people mm. as opposed to collaboration. You know, so that that team focused was part of that psychological safety as well. Uh, not surprisingly, just being kind, you know, as opposed to being hostile and having this sort of a tough love kind of a way. Like we even know clinically that tough love doesn't work. It ends up breaking people. People need to feel that they are connected to you. But there were two other things that came up with surprises as well. One was a, a manager with passion and charisma and actually believed in the purpose of mm. what they were doing. Mm. You know, when you have that and you exude that, you know, it's helpful. We as, as human beings, another thing that we need other than other people is a sense of purpose of what you're doing mm -hmm. is valuable, that you are excited about it, that you're willing to stretch 
in order to do better. So not keeping in a rut, we're not built like that. If we were, we would still be at a stage where we're just discovering fire instead of discovering AI. Like we're built to sort of have that passion to move forward. And the last one was a leader who was willing to make decisions. So wait, isn't that isn't that the leader's job? <laughs> yeah, but you know, there is a fair bit of dithering sometimes. There is delayed decision making. There is, you know, uh, fearful uh, approaches where you have to go through three, four, five levels in order to make a decision. So that leaves employees yeah. in limbo. They're not feeling that they're able to move forward. It adds it adds a sense of, you know, just just malaise. Uh, to tell you the truth, but also lack of confidence. Mm. So those five things really made a difference. You know, some of the ones I mentioned before are foundational to psychological safety, but even when you just put that in managers' minds and train them on some of the behaviors that might inadvertently, you know, support or not support that, you're going to develop a pattern of behavior it's going to be very helpful to your employees. Oh, I love this. All right, I'm going to repeat it. So I wrote it mm-hmm. down. So inclusive in that you are enabling everybody on the team to have a voice in some capacity. Yes. Uh, t- a team focus, not an individual, not an individual focus. How are we going to get better? Not how am I going to get better? Um, being kind. So it doesn't work to do to to, the tough love doesn't work. So how do you how can you be kind in your um, engagement with your employees uh, and and even kind with your criticism, right? Um, A a manager that that has passion and belief in the purpose. And I was so pleased to hear you say that something purpose is something that I yell about all the time. Kindly, I yell about it. Um, and then finally, a leader who makes decisions. Oh my gosh! If wow, um, yeah, I think I think that's right. It, it's calling it out like that. A leader who, can, who needs to make decisions. It's it does feel like there is almost an uh, epidemic of fear in mm-hmm. in corporate America, and I would say n- North America. Um, of of these leaders making you know not able to make decisions for further make the wrong decision and yeah. that what you're telling me is uh, a, a psychological safety killer if you're not able to make decisions it's not your team is just not it, it's it's a way of deflating the team's performance is that deflates you it keeps people in limbo you know create people create anxiety stories uh it's not good and but, th- but these things reinforce each other as as well yeah. you know if you are kind which means it doesn't mean that you hide things or you're coddling you know but you're you're really respectful in terms of how you mm. deal with deal with deal with people then you're going to it's going to be easier for people to participate which is the other side of you being inclusive if you are inclusive you're going to get honest things from your 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 staff. You're going to get the real deal. You're going to get the information. You're going to have to be able to make better 
decisions. If people feel that they can contribute and that it will result in actually decisions, guess what? They're going to get fired up. Like you're going to feel that sense of purpose and the ability to move forward. And so will your team. So, you know, these things, they help each other. It's not like I'm going to pick one and do that. You know, you really have to think about how you can take, take steps in all. Amazing. I learned a ton today. Uh, Paula Allen, SVP, uh, Global Leader of Research at TELUS Health. If you want to learn more, teleshealth.com, T-E-L-U-S-H-E-A-L-T-H. Paula, thank you so much for coming on Great Mondays Radio. I, I was, it was so informative. Uh, we really did a big tour of um, workplace wellness, how to get people back um, and feeling part of the team and then what it takes to create psychological safety. Amazing. Thank you for lending some of your, uh, your precious time with us. It was absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for listening to Great Mondays Radio. Hey, if you want to be a guest, head over to radio.greatmondays.com. And if you think this episode was interesting and your friends and fans would enjoy it, please share on social media. And if you want to get more people to understand the power of company culture in business today, please rate and review Great Mondays Radio on your podcast feed. It really helps us reach more people. If you want to hear more candid conversations with culture leaders, subscribe to Great Mondays Radio. I'd love to connect with you. Find me on LinkedIn at aka Josh Levine, on YouTube at Great Mondays. And you can always email me, josh at greatmondays.com. Find out more about our work with hypergrowth technology and social enterprise organizations at greatmondays.com. I'm Josh Levine. Thanks for listening to Great Mondays Radio.